and welcome to the Fred McNair program here on the Braves Sports Network, 91.7 WPRL and online WPRL.org. And we're also on WMIS, WTYJ, Fayette Natchez, 97.7 FM, 1240 AM, Fayette Natchez and NatchezRadio.com. We're also on Facebook Live on the WPRL Facebook page. Welcome, everybody. Another Monday night, another win in the books for the Braves. They're second in a row, 1-0 in the division. Big win over UAPB. And so we'll talk about that game as well. And, of course, uh, the big news over the last 48 hours, uh, the unfortunate loss of a parent, a sibling of one of the players from this Braves football program. And that's been the conversation the last uh, 48 hours or so. So let's get right into it with Braves head football coach uh, Fred McNair. Coach, congratulations on the win. You got the win Saturday night. And then unfortunate news on Saturday night. So on one hand, uh, some exuberation and some relief. You got the win, but then some unfortunate news on the on the back end of that. How's been the the last forty eight hours been like with the, the loss of a of a dear family member of one of your players, Tyler Smith? You know, it's always tough, Charles. You know, after a football game that you you go out and uh, you play extremely hard in the course of the four quarters that were played, and and um, the guys exerted all the effort they care to, to to bring out a win uh, for the Braves. You know, and um, you know, I thought the gears played very well. Um, you know, coming out the first half, the floor of the game was kind of slow. Um, for all the reasons that it was, um, but we came out the second half and played a little bit better in the fourth quarter in terms of our, our play offensive, defense, and special teams. So, you know, um, you know, together we rise, and uh, that's what we always talk about in terms of how this program is going to be successful throughout the course of this year. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, late that night we got news that um, – one of the players uh, lost his mom and his sister uh, in a car accident. Um, yeah, um, very good young man, uh, very respectful person, um, very good individual. You know, works hard um, on the field. And unfortunately, you know, the time of loss uh, come at that time. You know, um, you know, I think that the. The response of everybody with the Alcorn um, Brave football family has been very great uh, in, in terms of their support uh, with this young man and his uh, and his family. Um, and I hope everybody just continue to pray and, and send their condolences out to the family uh, in time of need. Um, very, very um, tough situation um, to lose a mother in assembly um, to a fatal accident, uh, Charles, and uh, Thoughts and prayers with the young man. We we uh, we embrace him. Uh, had a team meet this morning. Just talked to the team about um, what we have to do to to kind of keep him at bay and and make sure that we show our support with him. Um, and this is a close knit football team. Uh, they know the right things to do. And, and some um, young men of uh, of their needs and well with it. Um, and Tyler, you know, he's uh, he's self right now, and um, he'll come around start doing other things later, you know. Just getting some time to himself and the time he needs to kind of pick himself up uh, during this time, Charles. Yeah, you're a coach, you're a mentor, you're a father, uh, and all of that. You know, what have, what have you been able to share with him in, in, in this difficult time? You know the biggest thing, Charles, and I always give the give the give people time to 
talked to one of my, my fellow colleagues, the coach, um, last night late, and uh, there's nothing in, in the coach's manual uh, for this, Charles. Uh, there's nothing in the coach's manual for this. Uh, something that, that, that I can't prepare for. Um, you uh, have to say, you want to make sure that it's the right thing to say um, to people in time of need like this. And um, I texted him this morning, and uh, he responded back. Uh, but I just hadn't really got a chance to just talk to him face-to-face uh, uh, yet, Charles. And um, just waiting to, to get himself together and um, with his family and everything to do itself personally. Um, it'll come around to where we'll have a conversation, have a conversation uh, in terms of um, in terms of he and I, um, just to have a conversation, Charlie. Have you, in, in all your years of football, whether player, coach, whatever the case, pro level, have you had a situation where you've had to deal with this, whether it was a teammate or even as a coach, an assistant coach, where you've had to deal with something like this, especially the suddenness of it, I mean, this was hours after a big win here at home. I had a high school. I dealt with a situation before losing a high school player. Um, um, school and just being able to just to think about that and and just remember, you know, just that happening to my high school player back at home. Um, His mother and his sister, um, and those, those senses. Uh, but it's just always tough, and um, you know, words can't describe it. And you know, nothing that you can say that that can really, really comfort um, a person. But just being there for him, uh, I think that's the most thing that he really needs. And, and uh, his football family, the guys that surround him and that's going to support him uh, throughout this time of need. And I think that's the biggest thing that that we as a team, uh, as a coaching staff, um, will be able to give him uh, at this time, Charles. The athletic department released uh, a statement. It's on that website. Maybe Cedric can pull that up for us, uh, a statement that uh, athletic came up with. And now uh, there it is right there, as, as, as you can see. Um, one of the calls that I received on my way in today was, um, I mean, you can kind of clarify this, a GoFundMe page. Um, is that out there? And also, people who want to donate to the family, contribute. And I, I've been reading this on social media the last couple of days. Don't want to get in any trouble with compliance or any NCA violations because of this. So for fans who want to contribute to the family in one way or the other, financial or otherwise, what can they do, what can't they do to try to comfort the family? You know, right now, um, we can't really elaborate on, on too much uh, of that charge. I think Coach Cedric uh, Thomas has done a great job of of uh, relaying the message to me uh, from his family members um, in terms of uh, what they need to get done and and what they can, what we can and cannot do in terms of uh, university uh, to be in compliance. I think that um, Jason Pompey has has reached out and and um, in terms of compliance and making sure that we we are in compliance. Um, but right now, um, I think that we're waiting on um, of the mother uh, to give us confirmation on the things that that, uh, that
that they're going to put out and release in terms of the family and um, where it needs to go to, uh, Charles. Uh, but right now, we're just waiting from, from her uh, in terms of where everything really needs to go. This GoFundMe page that's out there, are you aware of that? If people, I mean, do you know anything much about that situation? Because I, I saw that a little while ago. I know that's been talked out there on social media about a GoFundMe page just to help. Are you, are you aware of that? Yeah, I heard about that this morning, and uh, I'm not sure um, of all that, charge. but the uh, only thing that I'm really concerned about is is uh, what Coach Thomas, and he's confirmed to me this afternoon about um, the mother she's trying to do in terms of that. But coming from her, she hadn't put anything out in terms of what Everything needs to go to. Just waiting on confirmation from her. As you walked in here, very slow walk. I can look at your face and tell, you know, it's 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 weighing heavy on this team, weighing heavy on the university. A lot of people are asking questions and how they can do to help and what they can do to help. You know, and and just looking at you, I mean, you take these things to heart because you talked about the close knit nature of this football team, and uh, you know, there's some things that are just bigger than football, and I'm sure all that's going through your mind right now. Yeah, and, and you know, the biggest thing, Charles, is um, that we have is bye week, and um, have time to recover from this, and and uh, just along with Tyler and, and the things that he need to get done in terms of his family and uh, being back home, and um, it's a situation. You know, you you, you build bonds with these young men, and you care so much about them, and uh, you don't want anything to happen to them. It's like they're your own your own son. Um, to uh, take care of, and that's what these parents uh, instill in this coaching staff to to make sure that the young taken care of. And, and right now, that's what we got to do as a, as a team and as a as a staff to make sure that uh, Tyler taken care of and, and Billy comfortable comfortable um, at this time with me, Charles. And that's the three biggest thing that that um, you know just really just hurt and sad me uh, and this team, you know. Uh, just being around a great guy, um, you know, for this to happen to him. Uh, but we're going to rally with Tyler and we're going to support him um, whichever way we need to and uh, be there for him uh, during this time too, Charles. For those who might not be familiar with Tyler in terms of, you know, his position on the football team, what story or two can you share about him, the kind of kid he is on and off the football field? Man, one of the – Greatest, greatest hardworking players, uh, play defense in the end for us. And I think Coach Brad has done a great job with uh, with Tyler and, and getting him up to par uh, coming in. Um, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, he's very humble. And every time I see him and speak to him, and yes, sir, no, sir, very amenable young man. And tell, you know, by that, you know, how he was raised, um, uh, charged, and, and that speaks a lot. Um, of his family and, and how they raised this young man and to be very respectful. Um, ways of, of action, no matter what, you know, he's always carried himself with a great smile and uh, and just doing the right thing, you know, what we asked him to do. Yeah. Well, that's Brace Head Coach Fred McNair talking about, uh, obviously, the last 48 hours, Tyler Smith's mother and sister uh, tragically passed away and just trying to rally around Tyler Smith and his family. And uh, as soon as more details become available on any arrangements, we'll definitely pass that along. We will take a break here. We'll look at the UAPB game and look ahead to the bye week. You give us a call, 601-877-6595. You can text a question, 
201-3611. You can tweet a question, Tall Man Radio on Twitter. We'll take a break. We'll get into the UAPB game after this. Time out. My son Aiden has asthma. Secondhand smoke has triggered his asthma so badly, he ended up in the emergency room and spent multiple nights in intensive care. Now he's on a whole bunch of medications. My tip to you is don't be shy about telling people not to smoke around your kids. Half of U.S. kids are exposed to secondhand smoke. If you or someone you know wants help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. To find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. All right, welcome back to the Fred McNair program as we look at the Arkansas Pine Bluff game, one of the big games in the league this past Saturday. And Coach uh, UAPB won the toss, deferred to the second half, so they kicked the ball off, and they tried to fool us a little bit here, Coach, with a with an onside kick, didn't go 10 yards. Uh, fortunately, it didn't go 10 yards. And so when you look at that situation, Coach, uh, a situation there in which, hey, uh, that's something that Doc Gamble is obviously trying to, to get you on your heels on. Well, we knew that uh, coming to the game, Charles, that, that uh, he was going to take chances on some stuff and not quite sure what it was going to be, but just alerting the, um, the special team players that we was going to uh, have some kind of trickeration to where he's going to try something on special teams and, and uh, just talking all week to the guys and about fakes and reverses and things of that nature. Um, and you know, he's come up with a – with an onside kick that didn't travel 10 yards and uh, give us the ball on the other side of the 50. So um, it was a big gamble for him, and uh, we knew he was going to do something. I just didn't know, just wasn't quite sure when he was going to do it. So, um, you know, but I think the kid, he just touched the ball a little premature and, <laughs> and uh, yeah. got it a little bit early. Yeah, that thankfully we, we got the football there. They reviewed it. So nice job by the crew. They had a couple of targeting situations to deal with. Uh, that worked out in our favor as well. So the crew was on it, for sure. And speaking of for sure, Javion Howard was for sure, almost 300 yards rushing. And so we got the football at the 44-yard line, and right off the bat, Howard picked up where he left off on this field a few weeks ago against Stephen F. running up and down the field at a 44-yard run to give your team the lead. You know, great individual, Charles, does some real good things on the football field. A very, very intelligent young man in terms of uh, his knowledge of the game and and, uh, and things that he do uh, to manipulate defensive players. And, and his power game is so unbelievable, you know, that once he get past the first level, the second level guys really don't have a chance. Um, then after the game, um, on Sunday mornings, uh, I walked down the hall, and Leatherwood's in the weight room, you know, getting their lift on. So this guy's a very hard worker, man, and you can kind of tell uh, that it pays off during the course of a game, you know, uh, everlasting. Uh, just continue to run the ball very hard and, and – uh, I mean, I'm, if I'm a defensive back or something, I'm just really fearful for that guy um, because he ran the ball extremely hard and he got a lot of power. How would you rank him in all the backs that we've had, Arnold Walker and, and uh, you know, just the other backs that we've had up and down the line? How would you rank this guy in terms of just his power, the violence he runs with, the aggression that he runs with, 
It's going up and down the line. How, how would you rank him? It's kind of premature right now, Charles, because it's still early in the season. Yeah. But this guy ran the ball extremely hard than I've seen anybody run it. So uh, that kind of tells you a little bit about it. Uh, but this guy, he, he just run with power, run with speed, and and, um, and you never see him get caught from behind, you know. So uh, this guy is going to move and and just fight for that extra yards. Uh, so um, I'm very excited to have this young man back in the state of Mississippi. Well, the Braves with an early lead, 7 to nothing, and Pombliff got the football at the 39-yard line. They had to punt. Then we got the football with 9.51 left in the first quarter, and we're faced with a fourth and one at our own 21-yard line. Coach Fred McNair was in the parking lot after the game, about 11.30, getting the highlights posted and all that, and I heard a guy across the parking lot, and they were just going, I don't know if they were arguing, just a loud conversation. And all I heard the guy was say, we went for it on fourth and one from our own 21. Why do we do that? And so, I mean, walking out of the parking lot, that's what I heard. So, obviously, that's the million-dollar question, I think, coming out of this game that particular situation because, I mean, if we could just be honest, you know, Pine Bluff had two scores on two short fields, including one right there. So talk about the strategy on fourth and one, trying to get that yard, trying to extend the drive. Million-dollar question, got a million-dollar answer, Charles. Um, at that time, I thought it was the time to give our, our guys a little momentum, especially up front. Uh, you know, if I get that fourth now and one, I'm the greatest coach in America, you know, but unfortunately I didn't. So I decided to go for it there, and we didn't we didn't do what we were supposed to do to get that game of yards. So, you know, if I if I get it, I'm the greatest coach in America. If I don't, I'm the worst coach in America. You know, it's always why. So uh, that's why I went for it because I wanted to to give our guys up front the momentum and uh, the edge to own up to what they need to own up in that front line. If you looking at the field and looking back on it, if you had to do it over again, would you would you done it any differently? I tell my coach, don't second-guess yourself, Charles. I don't ever do that. Once I make a decision to do something, that's what it is. And uh, that's the decision I made. And, and uh, like I said, if I had to do it again, I'd do it again. Um, I don't second-guess myself when I'm, I'm trying to manage a football game. I don't pay attention to nobody but this football program. When you look at, you know, and when you look at Jarvie and Howard getting, try to get that yard. And, yes, we were deep in our own territory. But if you think about these first few games, when you needed a tough yard right there, uh, you normally gets that on that on that push. And so, you know, as we're looking at the highlight there, on the right side of the line, obviously, you just need a little bit of a crease. Unfortunately, couldn't couldn't get that. Well, all right, Taco, we just didn't get the three technique moved uh, to where we needed to go uh, with the run, Charles. And that, that's something that, that was very disappointing in, in, in uh, me with them. Couldn't get that, that, uh, that yard that we needed. Uh, to get uh, during that time. So um, we, we look at it and we move on from there. So we got we gave Pine Bluff a short field, and, and they were able to score uh, a touchdown, Britain's two-yard run. And with the PAT, it was a tie game at seven. So talk about that drive, Coach. It's a short field. We, we tried to hang in there. But uh, Britain, who was a very slippery character, he's only 5'7", about 170, and uh, he low center of gravity was kind of hard to bring down and kind of got to the second level. Yeah, that's one thing we talked about last week during the show, uh, how, how this guy run the football. Uh, he's very tough and running the ball very low, uh, hard to tackle. So we got kind of slippery there and uh, was able to get in from two. So it's a 7-7 game here as we get to the second quarter. I believe we have a call on the line. Marquise calling in as usual. And I want to I have a story about Marquise. And I know people have asked about Marquise and him calling in. You know, Coach McNair back 
way back when we started doing the call-ins, Marquise was one of the only ones at times to call in. And so I, I do want to give him props for that, for staying with it and staying in tune with Braves football. So I do want to give, give him his props for that. He's called in, win or lose, rain or shine, and uh, regardless. So I, I want to give him that. People have asked about him and uh, got a chance to meet him a few years ago at homecoming. Hopefully I'll get a chance to do it again. So Marquise is calling in here on this Monday night. Good evening, Marquise. How you doing? Yeah, Marquise. Did I did I run him off? Oh, oh, oh there, there we go, Marquise. You there? Mm -hmm. yes, sir. How you doing, sir? I, I, I don't know. How you doing, coach? I'm doing good, Marquise. What about yourself, man? Yeah, man. I win. He's a little something special, Marquise, and hope we be able to, to keep him up right. We can run some more touchdowns and and uh, create habits for these other opposing team that we play. Well, he's a very special young man. Yeah, and, uh, I think the first, uh, the first time I, I, met, I met you, I think that was, that was a team that was real, baby. You're absolutely right, Marquise. I think we was in the parking lot. Uh, you and your mother. All right, man. Hopefully, see you soon, Marquise. All right, Marquise. We got a bunch of calls coming in. We appreciate you checking in with us. We'll talk to you next week. All right, that's Marquise joining us here. Let's look at the second quarter, Coach. Uh, seven seven going into the second quarter, and you look at that second quarter, Coach. It was a situation where for UAPB, you know, Britain a five yard run to give the Lions a fourteen to seven lead at that point. Another short field off a turnover, Coach, kind of set up that second score. Yeah, that's Nico. Um, we, um, that's when Nico fumbled the ball there um, on our own, about our own 25 there, and give another short field to score on. So, um, you know, the biggest thing is we just got to give these guys a, a longer field to, 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 to make their touchdowns and stuff like that, Charles. We just got to do a better job executing. You know, you, you don't see Nico Duffy put the ball on the ground. As you see right there, was it helmet to football? I think he just slung a loop from his body and, um, and just didn't keep it high and tight to his chest, uh, like Coach Booz always teaches. So, so at that point it was 14-7, to 7, but we came right back. Coach Keanu's 42-yard field goal made it 14-10. to 10. And late in the first half, Coach had an opportunity. We got the three, but then with 11 seconds left, Thought maybe you might try another play or two to try to, you know, maybe not just say take a shot, but what was your thinking there with 11 seconds left? You just want to get the points right there? Yeah, that's what I wanted to do, Charlie. We was out of timeouts, and uh, we didn't have no timeouts left, so um, we did a great job of getting to where it needed to be to get that field goal before half, uh, Charlie. So it was 14 to 10. You know, there were some challenges. Speaking of challenges, we were out of challenges in the first half, so, you know, you were really trying to, you know, get some things done with the officials and try to, you know, some close calls and you're challenging some stuff, but we were out of challenges, you know, in, in, in that second quarter there. Yeah, the sink of the game was, the floor of the game was just, just unbelievably slow for some odd reason, Charles. You know, we come out for the for the coin toss and, and then you have a TV timeout right before the kickoff for about 10 minutes. Um, you know, the commercials was, was extremely long. Um, you know, the floor of the game was just slow for us. And uh, I told the coaching staff this morning, Offensively, just just the floor of the game was just wasn't there. Uh, we couldn't get in the rhythm uh, to what we needed to do.
It seemed like it was always something. Um, then we had a, a stoppage during right before a play started. They blow the whistle for a commercial. Um, so the floor of the game was just unbelievable. Um, kind of got things going and executed the second half better than we did the first half. Uh, just the, the first half just couldn't, it was just uh, the rhythm of the game. And it's unbelievably slow. Um, had some miscues by the officials and, and, uh, and what they was doing. So it was tough, uh, but that's the nature of the game. You know, you have to play the game the way it's called. Um, and that's what we did. Slow down a little bit and, and kind of collect ourselves the second half and come out and, and execute better the second half. So uh, very proud of what the young men did to overcome those challenges, those obstacles and um, that was in the way of us um, coming out. How does that impact the rhythm offensively? And it, it was. The game was on HBCU.go, and it was shown in markets all over the country and in Jackson. And I, you know, reading the comments on social media, people are watching the game on linear TV all over the country and watching the game online all over the world. So there were some unusual TV timeouts and the referee stepping in just when you all are ready to dress the football, those, those type of things. Does that, does that have a negative impact on an offense, especially ours, that kind of does things in rhythm? It really does, Charles, because, you know, you're trying to get tempo stuff going and, and um, kind of slow it down to where a you know, um, situation where the referee may be standing over the ball or – and, and our players are still on the field and not going out of bounds, no substitution. You know, it was kind of just slow at the floor first half um, for some odd reason to us. And um, you know, like I got told the staff, it was just it was just slow to us, uh, uh, Charles, and uh, just couldn't get no rhythm or, or what we need. Just like I said, you know, it, it's the way the game is played. You know, you have to play the hand you dealt. So I think that's one of the things that. After all the said and done, we came back out and and we just played the hand that was dealt to us. So um, able to come out with a with a 38-21 victory. What was your speech to your team at halftime? With the starts and stops and the ebbs and flows and the challenges and the onside kick and the and the short field. What, what was your speech to your team at halftime? You know, the biggest thing is uh, talk about the pregame um, the pregame speech and always um, get a scripture from the the competitive Bible. And uh, kind of quote it a little bit, and uh, and just kind of like who we, who are we, you know? Champs um, play like champs, you talk like champs, then you are champions. Uh, but that's one of the things that that I really addressed at halftime. Who are we? They were when they came back out the second half and uh, and gave a great effort and uh, win this ball game. So uh, that made me know then they identified themselves as champions. Uh, throughout that process, what they had to do. All right, we'll take a timeout right here. When we come back, we'll look at the second half in which, and I know the big question has been asked by folks the last couple of weeks coming out in the third quarter, and Coach McNair addressed that with his team at practice last week about what the opposition says about the Braves coming out. They're going to give it to us. They're going to hand it to us in the second half. We just got to be right there, and they were right there. And it was an interesting start to the second half. We'll talk all about that. We'll take your questions, your comments, your texts and tweets when we return on the Fred McNair Show. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. 
I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. You're struggling with your mortgage. You think about it all the time. What are we going to do if we lose the house? It's time to stop thinking and start dialing. Call 1-888-995-HOPE for a free government program that offers expert one-on-one -on -one advice about your mortgage options. We've helped over a million homeowners, and we want to help you. Call 1-888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. And WPRL 91.7 FM. And welcome back to the Fred McNair program. Glad you can join us. We'll be getting to your questions, your comments, and texts and tweets throughout the course of this program. Of course, uh, heavy hearts uh, with uh, the family of brave player Tyler Smith and his family. And of course, Fred McNair talked about that um, earlier, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about it as we roll along here. Getting the third quarter highlights and the fourth quarter highlights and all the X's and O's. Tonight's edition of the Fred McNair program is brought to you in part by C Spire. That's C Spire country on a Saturday. And while fans show up for their teams, C Spire business is here to help the stadium's team up their IT game. While the players run ironclad defense, all world-class IT experts do the same with state-of-the-art network security. While the running backs redefine fast... We do, too, with Warp Speed Connectivity. Discover IT solutions to scale up your business and future-proof operations. Welcome to Seaspire Country, where champions reign. Visit cspire.com slash business for details. All right, welcome back to the Fred McNair program. Glad you can join us as we look at the second half. Coach, I want to go back to uh, last uh, week. Uh, I think it was Tuesday I was at practice. And after practice, you know, whatever Tuesday practices look like getting ready for a Saturday game, and at the end of that Tuesday practice, you made the comment to your team that, hey, what the opposition might be saying is just stay in the game with the Braves. They're going to hand it to us in the second half. And I think you were obviously referring to the Stephen F. Austin game, and then McNeese had a little bit of a push in the, in, in the second half. And then here we are, UAPB had a little bit of a push, too, to begin that uh, third quarter. Was that kind of, as the, as the Lions came out early in that third, were you kind of thinking about that, like, here we go again, coming out sluggish in, in the third quarter? Because you talked about it this time last week. No, that, that never crossed my mind in the third quarter when they scored their charge and um, they had that drive and, and they scored, um, you know, the biggest thing that was, that was on my mind is uh, I really emphasized during the course of the week of, um, about things that could occur in the second half and uh, what the process and what they were thinking. Uh, if they just got us to the second half, it'll be, it'll be something different. Um, but, you know, we came out and uh, we gave us some big plays there along that, along that five-play drive in the third quarter. If we get down there and um, Tyler Skyler Perry one-yard run uh, for a touchdown and give them a 21-10 lead. And you look at the play sheet, eight plays, 75 yards. So we talk about Skyler Perry. We previewed him last week. He's the most veteran quarterback in the league. He's been there since 2018. A lefty quarterback, been there, done that. And um, he made some plays there, Coach, and just trying to – he stepped up in the pocket. You had to account for him, you know, in, in the backfield as well. How tricky was he as you saw him yet again? Anytime you anytime you're facing a mobile quarterback such as Skylar Perry, you know, I always give you give you nightmares and things that you want to do on defense and you want to be careful not to give up too much uh, in the secondary, but you also want to keep an eye on him 
uh, as he dropped back the pass and uh, some of the things that he was able to do with his legs uh, would create first downs and, and things of that nature. So um, I think that that, that uh, one-yard touchdown run, I think the Brave defense uh, came alive and uh, put some stops together for our offense to, to score points. Yep, it was 21-10. to 10. A Skyler Perry's one-yard run made it 21-10 to 10 in the third quarter with nine and a half left in the third. And, Coach, I thought we really did a really nice job. We came back eight plays, 75 yards, taking up a 3.33 on the clock, and I thought that was huge. We came right back and scored. You know, if, if, if it was a long slog and we didn't, definitely momentum would have stayed with UAPB. But the fact that we did it in, in the confines of going fast was able to kind of take away some of their steam and thunder as we marched right back down the field in a, in a quick period of time. And, you know, that's the thing, too. Uh, you know, there's a tempo there in that third quarter, right at the end of the third quarter, where we was able to get that eight-play, 75-yard drive together. And that's one of the things that we really did was just making ourselves uh, more up-tempo um, to be able to uh, to do the things we want to do. And you see Javion Howard there on the, on the touchdown run, um, just running over people. And um, uh, you know, that's some of the things that we were able to do um, is to, to – be up-tempo, and like I said, nobody wants to tackle that guy, uh, Charles, once you get to second level. Yeah, I mean, just look at it again. Just bouncing it to the outside, you, you, you can't arm tackle a guy, can you? No, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a well-built human being, Charles. <laughs> you know, you have to look at him uh, personally and see how structured this guy is and, uh, uh, and his body frame. All right, so it was 21-17 in the third quarter. Pine Bluff got the ball with 626 left, some penalties. Hurt them, Coach, and, you know, I tell you what, uh, you know, our defense stepped up against McNeese and Saturday when we need to, as they say, bow up, stand up, rise up. We were able to do that, especially defensively. Coming off the 10-sack effort against McNeese, we are able to get pressure and really, you know, slow things and shut things down from that point. You know, the biggest thing is, and I think that uh, Coach Bradley said it in our staff meeting on yesterday that, uh, he played 10 guys up front, and that's unbelievable, uh, Charlie, when you have that much depth that you can play guys up front on the defensive line and really not miss a beat. That I mean, that says something about uh, what he's coaching and, and how he's coaching those guys to play up front. Um, so it's a good deal for us to, to be able to get that depth for him, uh, to come in and coach them, and um, he's doing an outstanding job. When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get five cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. It's time to stand up and be counted. It's time to speak up and be heard. It's time to be smart with your money and get more than what you pay for. Much more. It's time to achieve whatever it is you're after and do so for about half the cost of other schools. And with financial aid and scholarships available, it may not cost you anything. So you can get a high-quality education and finish with little to no debt. Valencia College, it's time. Apply by December 2nd at valenciacollege.edu. Uh, Charles, you know, um, uh, with the kind of quarterback that um, Skylar Perry is. Well, we've got the lead on a 71-yard drive coaching seven plays. And who else? Javion Howard stepped up yet again with a 24-yard run to give your team a 24-21 lead. And then in the fourth quarter, you put it away. Javion Howard's 78-yard run in the fourth quarter. And uh, and I tell you, it's, it's something special to watch him go. As you see right there, 
Off to the races he goes. That's on the touchdown before, on the 24-yard run. And then later on, he had a 75-yard run as we're looking at it. Uh, and so you, you, you look at this coach. Obviously, the ground-and-pound game, the three-headed monster with Leatherwood, Nico Duffy, and Howard, I thought that gave uh, Pine Bluff some fits. Well, you know, you have different speeds of backs and different power um, of, the, of the running backs and, and doing different things. It kind of shakes them up. And then you've got this guy here that, uh, in Jarvion that really pounds and runs you over. Um, his ability to, to take it to the house, you know. So those guys have been doing good. So like I said before, everyone really complimented each other in terms of what they can do uh, to help each other out during the course of a football game. What about that 78-yard run, Coach? That was an 87-yard drive in three plays. You talk about quick strike, a 447 on title possession. And as you see there, there he goes. I've seen the steel shots of him. He holds the football tightly, strong as can be, and he was not going to be denied. Uh, no doubt, Charles. And once I saw him get to the second level, Charles, I knew at that point there that it was a young man shows a, a bundle of speed. Um, and the way he run the football and really take care of it. So, um, like I said, you know, we, we are very excited to have this, this young man on our football team uh, all the way from East Marion, Mississippi. <laughs> now, is this uh, – I've been reading some questions on social media. Does he have another year – I guess people would just think he's got years and years of eligibility left because of what he's doing right now. Um, is, is this his lone year? Does he have another year, perhaps? What's, what's the status there? Hopefully he'll be with us another year, Charles. But, you know, the way he ran the football, you never know. Yeah. Uh, I may take his talent to somewhere else, you know, uh, on the next level. You know, but uh, hopefully you know, he'll be with us another year in, in terms of that. I mean, you can't knock a player like him uh, for what you want to do in life. And I think this is something that he really won't want to do. That's why he works so hard at it, Charles. Uh, he works extremely hard, you know. And, after practice some days, you see him hitting the sled, him and the other running back just hitting the sled, you know, the five-man sled just punching. And, uh, and you see some of the things that he do, and that come from some of the sled work that, uh, that he does uh, during the course of practice. So Coach Boo's got those guys running very hard and, um, and complement each other, like I said, you know, really well. So we're able to put the game away, Coach, on a Leatherwood seven-yard run. So we definitely had the momentum. Pine Bluff couldn't get anything going after. Once we got that train rolling, um, we put it away with 2.55 left. This Leatherwood seven-yard run finished off the scoring for your team. So it just continues that, that pace. Duffy, uh, Howard, and Leatherwood, as you see right here. Uh, Leatherwood, a seven-yard run. How would you um, – I know you say you're a tough teacher. You're a tough grader. How would you grade this offensive line considering – the running effort of this team, 396 yards. So you say you're a tough grader. How would you grade this team's offensive line on Saturday? You know, I think in, in, in some areas, I think some of the, the players play really extremely hard, but um, we still got some work to do up front. Um, you know, I think we already had one of the best games of the night uh, in terms of what he do, but, in, you know, in some spots uh, that we, we need to be a little bit better at. And, and if I had to grade it from, from the effort that uh, – an outcome of what the running backs did, uh, I give them a B minus um, on their grade. So, um, and that's been generous uh, to them. But I, you know, I expect more. Uh, my expectations are very high, and I think theirs are too, in terms of what we need to do to get to where we need to go at the end of the season. So, um, we're only going to get better, and coach is going to coach a little bit harder, and get these guys ready for a, a good, strong Mississippi Valley team. 
just just amazing, Coach. We were down 26 to 7 at Pine Bluff a year ago. We were down here, and it's almost like deja vu all over again. And Doc Gamble, he admitted at media day that the team was never the same after losing a lead at home last year. You just wonder what Pine Bluff does going forward. They got to go to Baton Rouge next week, and that's going to be a you know possibly an elimination game. Whoever loses that game is probably not going to get to where they want to go. But uh, clearly, for the second year in a row, we do the same thing to this team. We they they, they push us against the wall, and we find a way to climb back. You know, and the biggest thing is. You know, I talk to the young men about it all the time, you know, having no fast start and ending the ball game uh, with a fast pace. So uh, we just kind of continue to coach the young men how to to have those starts and uh, and finish the game. You know, we start fast sometime and we finish slow, or do we fast start slow and finish fast? You know, we just got to put this all together as a team and, and get to where we need in terms of, of finishing and, 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 and taking off a fast start during the course of a game. Um you know, hopefully, you know, this week of recovery week for us and uh, get the guys back to the basic, uh, doing some of the things that we need to teach and fundamental and technique, stuff like that. So um, the bye week could come at a better time right now um, because we got some guys hurt that need to be back playing. And I was holding my breath because there were two there were two potential targeting penalties that uh, that were not targeting after further review and I was holding my breath there we just got Kinsler back in the second half of the game Saturday and so I'm thinking man we get Kinsler back potentially not losing two more but after further review it was not targeting I think the official did a great job of of getting together with the guys upstairs in the replay booth to to iron all this out you know in terms of what they needed to get done they had to call right you know I credit those guys for that you know and in terms of call and and uh, making sure that um, the young man didn't get a targeting foul. So um, it was big for us that we didn't get anybody else having to sit out or a game or half uh, targeting. You know, this game is, is, is very – it's called very close, Charles, and I, and I do understand that the officials have to protect these young men. Um, they're safe to first. Uh, but it's just a thin line between some of the things that, that you look at and you wonder, wow, uh, it was just so close. And a lot of times – Players really don't have um, option in terms of where they're going to hit players because a lot of time offensive players duck into situations and get hit uh, for a target. So, um, but, you know, just being mindful of that, I think we've been doing a great job of, of coaching these young men how to tackle and, and the way to tackle. You know, uh, and it kind of takes away from the game of tackling too, Charles. You know, you're almost scared to make tackles because of the targetings and things like that. But, just for the sake of the players, you know, we have to abide by the rules. And, and that's one of the things that we do um, do here, uh, make sure that we're teaching the right stuff, the techniques and tackling and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a tough situation, but all, this, all the schools have to do it all across the NCAA, uh, have to abide by the same targeting rule. Well, explain this to me. Okay, so there were two potential targeting penalties. They were not targeting, but the personal foul was enacted. Can you explain that? Because it is kind of a head-scratcher, like how it wasn't targeting, but in the personal foul, there was a personal foul behind those. What was the explanation given there? I think the biggest thing is, and you can see this clip right here, um, the guy helmet was coming off, and I think McGee ended up hitting the guy with his helmet off, and that's the only thing they explained to me, uh, that it wasn't a targeting, but it's unnecessary roughness because a personal foul uh, with the guy helmet come off, and we still make contact with the guy with his helmet coming off. So 
the biggest thing was, you know, they made the call and uh, we we was okay with it. I just hate I just hate that it took so long to to make that call um, uh, and and everything. But set of roughness uh, was the call on that, so they give them 15 yards uh, of penalty. So if, if the helmet didn't pop off, then he wouldn't have been called for unsportsmanlike either. And I do totally agree with that, Charles. Mm. So the first one, the first one early in the game, that was obviously the same thing. No targeting, but an unsportsmanlike. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a thin line they're charging. And you take away the, they take away the targeting, um, and, and you don't get target calls. But any time you, you, you're hitting a guy up above the, the neck area, it is a personal foul. And uh, whether you don't make contact helmet to helmet or not, that was explained to me during the course of uh, Sundays a week ago uh, by the head official, Mr. Kelly, in terms of interpreting the rule to us. And I think he did a great job of explaining it to us um, or what, and sending the bylaw to me of what it is. And anytime it's above the neck area, whether it's uh, targeting or not, you know, you're going to get a penalty for it. And it may not be a target, it may be a personal foul. So they went back and looked at it. So it may not be targeting, but could be a personal foul as well. And that's what happened on two occasions on Saturday. All right, let's go back to the phone lines before we break this one down a little bit with some of the individual numbers. I think Gwen is standing by on the line. Gwen, good evening. How are you? I'm standing. How you doing? Doing well. That's good. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing good, Miss Gwen. You doing okay? Yeah, I wasn't able to make it to the game today. I was a little under the weather, but I knew the Braves was going to do it. I knew it. I told him I don't worry about that first game. I said, when you come back in the second, you was going to handle business. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your support, Ms. Gwen, and I hope you're feeling a whole lot better today. Yes, sir, and I also want to send our condolences out to Tyler from the Brooks family. Yes, ma'am, I will let them know. Okay, and you take care of this and be ready for the green. That's right. That's right. All righty, then. All right, thank you, Gwen. Thank you for calling in, and uh, hope things get better for you there. I talked with her uh, right before the game, too, uh, Coach McNair, and she's coming along. Um, speaking of coming along, Coach, do uh, you feel like, you know, after this win, you feel like your team's coming along now? You know, three weeks ago, and I was telling somebody on a podcast, this is the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. A few weeks ago against Tulane, well, let's, let's go back. We led Stephen F 24 to 10, let it slip away. Then the two-lane game. So in a six-quarter span, we're outscored 73 to 3, and then the world was coming to an end. Then we beat McNeese. Now we beat UAPB. And I know there's some things to work on, but we're 1-0 in the division. And we have a bye week coming up, like you said, trying to get healthy. And a Mississippi Valley team that's hungry, a team that gave us fits last year. So the agony of defeat, the thrill of victory, and right now we're on the – we're on the up climb of things. You know, it's, it's more. It's a lot more potential in this ball ball club uh, here, Charles, and, 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 they, and they know it. Uh, just talking to them this morning, getting them to understand that that where we got to be in terms of of next week when we go to Valley, preparation uh, of the next few days that we have uh, in terms of our off week and what the things we got to do to make sure that we're taking care of all corn. Um, and not worry so much about Valley. We got some things that we need to address as a, as a team in terms of our fundamentals and our techniques and stuff like that. So uh, that's the way we'll play it this first uh, first couple of days of this week. Uh, get back to work tomorrow morning and um, and Wednesday, Wednesday and uh, see how it works out. But hopefully, 
you know, these young men do understand that, that it's only going to get tougher from here on out. And um, some of the things I explained to them this morning uh, during the team meeting, it's only going to get tougher. Uh, we just got to apply ourselves and, and make sure that we understand that uh, we just have to take care of Alcorn. And uh, we do that in terms of what we got to do to win ball game. Back to the phone lines we go, 601-877-6595. Andre Young joins us on the chat line. Hey, Andre, how you doing? They had seven, I guess, fake injuries or whatever to stop your momentum and, and save their timeouts. And they did the same thing last year. So I'm just wondering, is there anything that you all can do about swag offs to do about that? You know, the and biggest thing. They're faking. They only have injuries <laughs> when, when we have balls. Yeah, the biggest thing is, Dre, that I think um, a lot of a lot of a lot of teams across the nation does the same thing, uh, and that's why I'm saying, you know, we never we never could get in a in a rhythm. And once we did get in the rhythm, you know, we had those. They had injuries uh, supposedly um, on their team, and and some of them were the same guy, you know, um, that was going down. So uh, understanding, you know, they have to, you know, make sure that they they're the safe of the players. The first and utmost thing that they have to officiate with. Um, and so, in terms of that, yes, it kind of slows us down a little bit with our tempo stuff. Once we get to rolling, and um, you know, we just got to be um, have a good mindset of what's going on in terms of that. It was frustrating uh, in terms of that once you get a momentum going and your rhythm and the, um, the flow of the, the offense is moving pretty good. So uh, that's just something that, that happened. So um, if the guy was injured, I mean, that's, that's what it was. But uh, just so many times that it happened when we had the ball. Um, and you're right. So um, I don't think it's anything that they can do about it, but just continue to to, to give those guys those injury timeouts, and uh, and we have to just be patient and work from there as a team and, and make sure we understand that we still got to play the game. I, I hear this all the time, you know, when, when that happens. It's like what what proof can be out there that he's that he's faking or not, I guess. That's that's kind of where I am. It's like if, if you want to put somebody on the spot, but what can you do? I mean, if you're hurting, you're hurting. If you're injured, you're injured. And I know it, it happened. It did happen when we had the football so I guess from from the rules perspective and the officials perspective and the NCA perspective, what can be done to alleviate those type of things? <laughs> Not- <laughs> really nothing, Charles. You know, you just have to just uh, roll with the punches and and get back up and um, and get back at it, man. I think that uh, what we're doing as, as a team, uh, offense, defense, special team, is, is something that we're gonna continue to do and, and play with our best effort uh, each and every Saturday um, that it comes up. So. Uh, the biggest thing is that we have to prepare for all this kind of stuff during the course of the week. Um, I got to be uh, a game manager um, even during the course of the week. You know, just thinking about the things that that could occur during the course of a football game. Um, you know, I, I critique myself more than anybody uh, in terms of the things that I do during the course of a game. You know, I'm not perfect, but I try to be. Um, but you know, that's just the nature of it. You know, things gonna occur that you that's unexpected of a head coach and what he needs to do in the course of a game. So, you know, I take the blame for all the things that, that happen that's not right. You know, I go home at night and, and can't sleep sometimes because I'm thinking about um, some of the situations, but I never second-guess myself. I always think about the things that I can get better at. Well, speaking of getting better, I know 
some people and some questions about Aaron Allen, 18 of 24 for just 99 yards. I mean, you scored over 30 points in the last two, two weeks. We've scored 69 points in the last two games. Aaron Allen, 18 of 24 uh, for 99 yards. Speaking of improving and getting better, where are you with him right now? Just still trying to learn the offense. And, you know, we've had a great and dynamic running game that's kind of helped. And a running game is the best friend of a quarterback, so we've had that. But Aaron Allen, the passer, what, where are you with him at this point in the season? I think right now he's not doing anything to lose the ball game for his charge. And I think where, what he's doing completely, completely growth. And uh, just having a conversation with Coach Phillip this morning about some of the things that, that uh, we need to do. But how can you um, – we got RPOs going, but how can you not get a ball to zero? Uh, you want to throw it every down now? Uh, zero ran for 299 yards on 23 carries. So uh, if you had an opportunity to look out there and see we got numbers in the box, hand it off and let it roll. And I think he's doing a great job of that uh, – of understanding because one thing you don't want to do to a quarterback is put him in a situation where you tell him hand it off or you throw the ball, you know, in this situation. So I think he's doing a great job of managing the game, you know, and I think Coach Phillip has done a great job of, of getting this guy to understand, you know, what we need to get done in this, in this case. You know, I think it's going to be sometimes that it's going to be more throws than it's going to be runs. Uh, team, they, they're not crazy. They're going to come down and start sticking the box with eight-man boxes and, and things of that nature, he's going to dare us to throw it. And that's when we're going to get really good at passing football. Uh, I think he's going to do a great job of getting the ball down the field. So um, just opportunities like that, you know, we take advantage of that. Anytime you got three dynamic backs that run the ball very well and you got an offensive line that, that blocks as well as they do, so I hope that continues to, to be the same, you know. Uh, it's not no pressure on the quarterback when you hand the ball off to, to three running backs that can do the job that they're doing. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. A busy phone line session here tonight. I think we have Harry calling in on the 601-877-6595. Let's go to Harry. Good evening, Harry. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Um, I had a question that came up with the game about the uh, repeat uh, away games. Like, we played Valley and we played last year and this year. I was trying to get clarity on the uh, – how many seasons um, those things have I think this is the la- this is the last year of that um, uh, due to the COVID situation that we had. Um, kind of cleans everything up in terms of that, but I think everything will get back on the right track uh, after this season here. Uh, to what old game will be uh, back here at Alcorn State University at Jack Speed Castle Stadium. Uh, so this is it's been it's been tough for tough for us too to have to travel back. And forth to Valley and Southern as well, but you know that's where that's the hand is dealt to us, and and we have to go by that. But this is the last year that we'll have to rotate those games like that, and um, and uh, we we'll get back on the reservation. All right, Harry, we appreciate it. Harry Crockett calling in six zero one eight seven seven sixty five ninety five. So, coach, you talked about the running game three hundred and ninety six yards rushing. You got Howard with two ninety nine. And on his accolades, Swack, uh, offensive player of the week, newcomer, all of that, and in the FCS as well, getting some some love there. Leatherwood with 10 carries. Nico Duffy, um, as well as Howard is doing, and we know what Nico Duffy has done. Is it just, is only one football is just so hard to get everyone a, a lot of carries? So we, we know Leatherwood getting more carries. Nico Duffy, um, it's, it's just 
working those guys in, continuing to do that, continuing to balance out the carries? You know, all those guys have different tangible charges. They can do different things. And uh, all those guys can run the football very well, you know. Um, I think Coach Booz um, really rotate those guys in and just whoever have the hot hand right now and, and just so much of a Howard this past game. And, and they, they, that's the thing about this, this room, Charles. They understand uh, the situation and understand that they're going to play. Um, you know, how many carries, we don't know. Um, our rotation and stuff like that. Um, but these guys do a great job of talking to each other and, and complimenting each other in the course of the week and, and things they see. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, I wish we had 10 footballs we could throw around because even some offensive linemen think they can catch. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, that's the biggest thing about it. But it's only one football that can pass around. You know, with the receiving core that we got, we got some great receivers. Um, and I think that the biggest thing is with the receivers that we just have to make sure that we're doing things uh, in the eyes of Aaron um, or our quarterback can see and understand uh, we're on the same page and the thing that we need to do. Pass around and um, see what happened. And, you know, hopefully you guys continue to work harder in the course of the week and better themselves. Uh, each and every day of being on the same page as as uh, as Aaron and the process. So Coach Phillip and uh, Coach uh, Leroy are doing a great job in that quarterback receiver room, getting those guys to, to work together you know, during the course of the week to be on the same page for the game. Speaking of the same page, I know this has come up over the last few days, over the last few weeks, the continuity between quarterback and the receivers. We're shuffling our, our receivers in and out. Um, you know, what, what is the, you know, the continuity between quarterback and receivers? We've got you know, seven different receivers were hit on Saturday. And so just the continuity there between Allen and the receivers and shuffling them in and out, that's kind of been the discussion out there. Is there any, anything to that in terms of just you know, having a, a continuity you know, between the quarterback and receivers and, and the shuffling in and out of the receivers? And it's not nothing that either either, either receiver or quarterback is doing. I think that the way we go about doing it, receivers that can, that can play at any time. So, you know, just giving those guys the opportunity to, to go in and make plays and, and things of that nature, Charles. I think Aaron have continuity with all of them. Uh, just a matter of, you know, being on the same page on some route concepts. Um, I think this past game kind of took a toll on us in terms of what we needed to do. Um, some receivers, they, they admitted to it, you know. Um, thing that they should have did, they didn't do. Um, but, you know, that's some of the things that we're going to correct this week. We're going to make sure we got to find comb through this situation. Um, but one thing about it, we're not going to have them out there doing the things they want to do um, because that hurt that team. And I hurt the quarterback as well because you're looking for you at a certain position, uh, a certain spot, and you're doing something that's different. So uh, we'll get that corrected this week in terms of what we need to do. On Anthony, uh, Keen McNair, and C.J. Bowler led the Braves with three receptions. T. Adams, who came in here as a quarterback, transformed into a, a receiver with one reception for eight yards. That's been talked about, Coach. T. Adams' transformation from quarterback to receiver. How is that going one reception on Saturday, you think it's a situation well where he'll get more touches? T. Adam got in the ball game. He played. I guess everybody is pretty much satisfied with T. Adam. But T. Adam is just doing the things he needs to do during the course of the week. I think that's the best big for us. And uh, make sure T. Adam, you know, we can we can trust him when he's on the field to be where he needs to be. That's the biggest thing, you know. 
uh, during the course of practice sometime he have he have um letdowns of, of not I think this week he worked very hard to get some playing time so uh, hopefully that will continue uh, in terms of his playing because he's a very athletic guy I mean he does everything probably the best athlete on the football field but just the trust fact of him getting where he need to be I think is big for us a lot of people want to would like to see more of Malik Rogers getting more action is that is it just a numbers game right now with with all the receivers you know seven different receivers caught balls on on Saturday including Malik Rogers who had a reception is it you know what about getting him more touches there ain't one football charge and I, I can't tell the quarterback what to throw uh, I think the defense kind of dictate where the ball got to go you know I tell everybody the same thing you know every receiver probably gonna say they was open on every play you know just to get the ball but you know the quarterback got to have a progression to read and have a coverage to read. So once he dissect that in about like 2.5 seconds, he got to get rid of the football. So he can't be scanning for one individual guy, you know, and things of that. So we're going to continue to work, Charles, and that's the thing that we're going to do as a as a coaching staff and make sure that we we put this team in the best position to win ball games, no matter who's on the football field. Um, we're just going to put the team in the position to win ball games and, and go from there. We get into yeah. I even told Coach Elliott one time, if we can't do it the right way, let's get in wishbone. Let's run the triple option. And, uh, you know, if we can't get it right. So uh, I'm not afraid to do that either. You know, but we're going to make sure that we're doing everything that we can as a coaching staff to, to put this team in the best position to win, no matter who's on the I'm at practice uh, last week when I was there. Manny Flash Jones, a lot of people are asking uh, about his status. Uh, what, what is his status now? Yeah, hopefully he's back. Uh, he got a chance to dress this week and, I'm not certainly worried yet in terms of, of his injury. And I got to get with um, Rod Young today, well, tomorrow, and find out the, the situation with him. But he did address this past weekend uh, of not knowing the status of, of the situation. But we'll get that all figured out on tomorrow in terms of practice. So um, he's, a, he's a great talented guy. Uh, does some things well. He's probably one of the return guys that should be back there with uh, Malik and, um, and Nico. So he is a little banged up. Yes, he's banged up a little bit. We're going to try to push him along. Got another week to get him ready. So, hopefully, by the week, you know, he'll be ready to roll. We got a lot of texts and tweets. We'll get to our final phone call right now. Kermit calling in from Dallas. Good evening, Kermit. How are you? Hey, good evening, Charles. How are you doing? Doing well. Hey, hey, Coach, I got one question for you, and I appreciate the explanation you gave about the receiver. But I think, Coach, I think you're arriving all phone in 2000. thing is, and I, and I talked to him uh, last year when Felix uh, was at the helm, at the quarterback helm, and, and I really wanted those young guys to come in and, and push Felix and take his spot. Uh, that's what I wanted them to do, and, and each and every year, I'm, I'm always that way when the quarterback situation, you know, I want those guys to come in and compete. It seemed like as if when those guys feel that Felix was going to be the starter, they just took a back seat to him and didn't really push him, and uh, that's why I was so hesitant during some of the games that even put these guys in last year uh, when Philly was there because I would I didn't think they was ready uh, because they didn't uh, insert themselves to 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 be that guy 
You know, I was looking for a guy to, to come in and compete for that job, you know, uh, and take that spot from that number one guy uh, if he's the number one, you know. And I'm always a firm believer, you know, I always have a number two ready uh, to play. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we had a situation this, this year that we had to go out and uh, bring another quarterback in and and um, and, and push him. And, and uh, just like I said, you know, those guys had opportunity. Each and every one of them had opportunity to, to become a starter here uh, last year when Felix was here. So uh, when you look at the picture of it all and, and it winds down to it, that, and, you know, Trey uh, Lawrence, you know, he's going to be a good quarterback. But I didn't feel like, you know, I had several talks with him. And I said, Trey, you got to insert yourself. You gotta, I want you to take his spot. I want you to do that. You know, those are things that I told him. And I tell every quarterback that coming in, if I have a starter, I want you to take his spot. It's not known that because he's a senior, he's going to be the starter, you know. So I don't play seniority. Uh, I play the best guy that's going to that's give us the best chance to win a ball game. All right, appreciate you, Coach. Yes, sir. All right, thank you, Kermit, for calling in. Let's get to the text line, 601-301-2611. Coach, we talked about uh, Aaron Allen in the game on Saturday, 18 of 24 for 99 yards, sprayed it around to seven different receivers. Uh, Texas come in. Coach, on a few short yardage plays, if Allen pulls and keeps the ball around the outside, there's daylight. Is he allowed to make the decision to give or pull, or is he just following the play that's called? It just depends on the play that's called, and I think that um, discuss some stuff today. Uh, this morning, it's coaching staff. Uh, off the you know, if, if they play designed to, to hand it off, he, he got to hand it off um, no matter what have RPOs in the system. Um, but like I said, you know, you got a Javion Howard that's running for 295 yards and, and you have a wrong pass option, of course, as a quarterback. I'm going to let this guy run. Uh, but if it if it uh, presents itself to, to pull it and throw it, that's what we'll do. Um, another question is coming in. What will we do when a team stacks the box against us? You know, winning the one-on-one matchups, getting separation out in space, uh, what are your thoughts on on that as you as you look at that on the offensive side? It is shown that we can do that, Charles. You look at the next state game, and and we have receivers run down the field catching the ball, and we got receivers in front of DBs, but we got PIs uh, on us in that next state ball game. But you know, if the situation presents itself, I think that we we're up to the challenge of making the throws and making the catch and and scoring from a distance. Those explosive plays that we really in terms of uh, our offense. All right, we'll take a break right here. We'll get to some of the tweets that have come in, and we'll look ahead to the bye week, obviously, um, with the uh, latest on uh, Tyler Smith and his family. We talked a lot about that at the start. So we'll take a break here. We'll be right back after this on the Fred McNair Program. The Old Country Store is a proud supporter of Old Food Braves football. For the best in down-home cooking like Grandmama used to do, you need to stop on by the Old Country Store. And see Mr. D and his staff. You'll be glad you did. I'm getting hungry just by talking about it. The Old Country Store is open daily for dining or carry out. And when you go by, tell Mr. D you heard of WBRL 91.7 FM. The Old Country Store is located at Highway 61 in Mormon, Mississippi. Look for the marquee picture of Mr. D holding that famous fried chicken. And when you go by, accept the same the grandmama song. That's the Old Country Store, open for business. The Old Country Store is a proud supporter of all court praise football. And remember to please be safe. All 
All right, welcome back to the Fred McNair program. Glad you can join us on this Monday. We'll get to the uh, tweets and texts. We'll look ahead to the bye week. And on the defensive side of the ball, the defense stepped up yet again in the third quarter. Tonight's edition of the Fred McNair radio program is brought to you in part by C Spire. Place right here. This is C Spire country. It's where Matt's sister scheduled her wedding on a college football Saturday. But luckily, he's a man with a plan. A wireless plan with blazing fast 5G, so he can stream the game right on his phone. One eye on the nuptials. I now pronounce you man and wife. The other on the action. <laughs> Welcome to Seaspire Country, where champions reign. 5G not available in all areas. Capable device required. Visit seaspire.com for details. All right, welcome back to the Fred McNair program. You can tweet a question. I'm on Twitter, Tall Man Radio. Uh, busy phone line tonight, 601-877-6595. All right, Coach McNair, as we go to the Twitter feed, TJ Mayfield comments the team is second in the league in sacks and sacks against. There's been a clear emphasis on winning at the line of scrimmage. And a question, how does having a reliable field goal kicker, and we talked about Ken, he's going to be doing the, the – the kicking duties for the most part, with the exception of kicking off. How does having a reliable field goal kicker affect play calling? Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of it's kind of easy when when you have a, a Keanu that can kick from from forty two yards out, consistent at, at what he do. Um, you know, the biggest thing is that we just kind of we just kind of convert on third downs as, as offense and and get him in the right field position to change the field over. You know, um, punt. You know, it's something not not his specialty in punting, but you've he, been doing a great job punting the ball and, and getting the defense and, and, and some good field position and, and to play from. Um, but he's always good when you have him, and, and I know you can allow him to, to go in and make field goals. So seeing the operation that he's doing, he's very quick on the kicks and, and uh, things that he needs to do in the operation part. So I hope he just continue to keep working as, as he does in the course of practice. Defensively, Coach UAPB had 198 yards rushing, averaging 5.8 yards per carry. We talked about Britton. He had 18 carries for 110 yards. He was a slippery customer. When you looked at the film, was UAPB's emphasis running the football going into this game? Is that kind of what you saw on film? Well, I think, you know, the vertical package that you, uh, they had, they were trying to get the ball down the field a lot uh, with some of the receivers that were, that were running. Uh, but I think that, you know, in some of the plays that if we squeeze – with our DN down, we'll, we'll hit it right in the face and stop him for a loss. Um, but those scenarios didn't happen uh, during the course of some of the plays that we ran. Uh, the quarterback had a couple of long scrambles on, on our quarterback draw. Uh, they kind of put him over the edge with the um, with the with the with the quarterback draw and run stuff. So um, you know some of the big plays happen and and the things of, of uh, you know defensive backs they they really held up on the on the vertical package and stuff like that. So uh, that helped out. You know, they kind of kind of handcuffed them a little bit to where they couldn't throw the deep ball. Uh, so we just had to really just really hone in on what we could stop on the running game. Yeah, their leading receiver, Christian Cochran, six receptions for 66 yards leading the way. How would you assess the job on Perry? 18 of, I'm sorry, 15 of 32 for 107 yards. He was sacked twice. I mean, I mean, the defense gave him different looks, and, and they, they, were, they were very good. Um, at giving up the big the, the big plays uh, in terms of what Perry normally do during the course of a game, you know his accuracy downfield is not not as accurate as it need to be. But um, our defense still played well in the secondary to to not give up the big plays, and we just have to just rattle around the, the things that um, 
that they tried not to do um, with, uh, with so um, you know he played okay and uh, but you know we just got to continue to play better up front um, um, create more pressure uh, and just continue to play the way we played in the secondary. You know, one name that we haven't called, Malcolm McGee had the interception. If we call his name too much, he's kind of all over the place. How would you assess Malcolm McGee? He had the pick, obviously. It was key. Um, talk about his play so far. Yeah, Malcolm, is a, he's an he's a exciting player. You know, he, he's very hyper. Uh, sometimes you have to tone him down a little bit in, in his play. So uh, you get excited about things. And and um, and I think the coaches are doing, trying to do a great job of, of just teaching him uh just play what's called and, and things of that nature. Sometimes that gets him in trouble. Um, you know, you just got to make plays, you know, with his defense, and, and that's the key. Um, I think the defensive plays is called and, and position to make them. So uh, I think that's one of the things, uh, you know, the coaching staff with him. And, you know, he, he, he wants to make plays, and sometimes that gets him in trouble of uh, doing some other things. As you look at the Braves' defense, Coach uh, Blount, Macarius Blount had six tackles along with Trevor James. So every week we're calling kind of a new defensive guy, a guy that different from the game before. So a lot of guys getting in a lot of work. And you talked about the D-line. Tell you what, your D-line coach, I don't know if you knew this, but during the third quarter he was stomping in the booth. I think it was a breakdown somewhere, and he was. you can hear him screaming from next door there the home coach's booth is to our left and he was not happy obviously it's some some things that took place for a sequence he was celebrating when it was over but there was a kind of a tough time there as as a d-line coach uh during the course of that game i mean it's a lot of things and one of the plays it probably was when when the d kind of squeezed down and and uh crashed down on the running back you know and, and other the guys getting vertical on they on they push you know you always coaching that so um, you know, I understand the frustration, and like I said, if they if they listen to him, they can be great football players. Um, because he's a great defensive line coach, and what he's doing uh, with that with that group of them guys up front. Like I said, you know, playing ten guys is very very when you can play ten guys up front, and um, that means you're teaching guys and the things determine what to do to be to get playing time. You know, Charles. So to get playing time, you got to be doing something right. Well, let's talk about Blount. He was tied for the team lead in tackles with six. Talk about him. Blount is a very great guy, very coachable. He's going to do what you ask for. And that's one of the guys, one of the guys on special teams that run down on, on kickoff and, and, and make plays on kickoff. So Blount, he's a very exciting player, you know, he's a very respectable young man and, and do it the right way, you know. That's, that's, what, that's why he's playing a lot uh, because he's doing it the right way. You know, they do what the coaches ask him to do, come up and make plays. Um, a couple of new guys, Andrew Smith, coach, with five tackles, and Robert McDaniel with four tackles. Talk about those two. Yeah, Andrew Smith, he's a corner, and um, he's a very headed player, you know. Uh, coach Thomas does a great job with him, you know, coaching him up at the cornerback position, and Coach Quinn does a great job. Daniel uh, playing the nickel, uh, him and Matt Brown coaching them up. And, you know, those guys that, that, that we're building depth with, you know, that's going to help us in, down the long haul, Charles. You know, as long as we can have – They'll dealt with those guys, give them playing time, and, and increase their plan. Uh, that's going to help us on down the line. The more more they can get on the field and, and see the fast-paced action, it's going to help us out. We had two sacks, one of them by Webb, and we know his story. Um, he had ACL two years ago. He could have returned last year. I talked with him in camp. He could have returned last year. He chose not to. 
to kind of make sure he was 100% healthy. He's back this year, obviously, and he had a sack. How is his progression coming? It's coming along good, Charles, and well doing the things that we actually do, you know, some things that, you know, uh, with Webb, you know, he just he's just limiting his ability sometimes and, and things that he can do. So I think Coach um, Coach Robinson does a great job of, of coaching old guys up to play fast, um, you know, and everything. So Webb has done great, man. He's an exciting player, you know. Um, you know, the, the guy listen to him uh, as, a, as a teammate and then kind of does his thing the right way. Talk about Kinsler returning, and do you think that, that that helped change things around when Kinsler came back in the second half? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, Kinsler is, is one of the one of the one of the guys that, that you know the coaches them really rely on in the secondary to to, to put everybody. Sometimes uh, I think his uh, his aggression takes over, and uh, and sometimes that gets him in trouble, and uh, with his eyes and stuff like that where he's supposed to be. So, you know, he's been playing he's been playing solid. Just glad to see him come back the second half and. You know, and just being able to come back out to play with his brothers on the football field. Obviously, uh, you know, the injuries. You talked about how this bye week will get some guys healthy. Devin Dawson went out. What is his status? Devin, you know, he, he's going to be okay. You know, I think all those guys, and you know, they get beat up around there at the line of scrimmage. So he, I saw him this morning, asked how he was, and he's going to be okay. Um, his injury, he got a little ankle, but I think it's something that he's going to be is very tolerable with, and his pain tolerance is great, so. I think, you know, with the treatment this week, like I said, we got a lot of guys that got little scrapes and bumps that need to be healed up. And uh said this week to, to get them back in, in preparation of Valley on the next week. What about uh, Cherry Loose? What is his status? Cherry Loose should be back with us uh, full contact here, Todd, uh, on tomorrow. And I'm uh, just excited to see him back and, you know, sideline and, of and, and things that he do on the field. So it would be great to have him back, you know, in terms of his speed and, and the things he can do at the linebacker position. Wallace Melton, he went down um, a couple weeks ago. What is his status going forward? Wallace is probably going to be out for about three weeks, Charles. So this will be one week coming up and, and the next couple weeks trying to get his strength back into where it needs to be and his quads and everything. So <clears throat> we're excited about having him to give us more depth at the safety position as well. So once he get back in, in full of swing of things. So the Braves with a big victory, Coach. Uh, obviously, second win in a row coming off the McNeese um, and you know winning the game on Saturday against UAPB. Offense, defense, special teams. I talked with, uh, with uh, Keani on the pregame show this past Saturday and just his punting, you know, just working with him. Only averaged 25 yards on four punts. I know it's still a work in progress with him in that position, right? Uh, Keanu, he, he's, 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 trying, he's working hard every day, Charles, to get better at that craft. And uh, like I said, you know, offensively, we kind of help him out as well. We can't, we can't, we kind of create first downs and uh, we kind of move the ball. We got to change the field for the defense offensively. Um, with his punt, he's going to do as much as he can, going to do as well as he can do. And I, my hat's off to him of the job that he's been doing for us, you know, being able to punt the ball and, and things of that nature. You know, offensively, we just can't get him a, put him in a deep hole where he have to make a try to change the field with his leg. So, um, you know, we're going to get better on third downs of the team and um, and give him better things if we're not going to score. We're going to put him in the best place to, to put it inside the 10. When you look at the numbers of this Pine Bluff team, Coach McNair, they are averaging 40 yards per kickoff return. 
30 yards per punt return. I thought we neutralized that a lot Saturday. Yeah, that's one thing that, that we emphasized a lot of the special teams this past week uh, with their special teams uh, and their return game and, and all that kind of stuff, Charles. And I think that Coach Powell has done a great job of putting guys out there that they can really run and I always talk about beating with speed, you know, whether it's on kickoff or whether it's on the punt and all that. So we, we're very close to, to being where we need to be in terms of special team stuff. We just still got to show my tools up uh, to play the next ball game. So when you look at it, Coach, right now, here we are going into the bye week, first month of the season. We got, we got our bye week right now, and then we go to Valley and Southern and then homecoming and then Grambling coming up. Um, this kind of what you had anticipated, I mean, it was a tough game with Tulane, had Stephen up on the ropes, beat McNeese, we're 1-0 in the division, just here we are basically almost a month into the season. Is this just kind of, you know, with the new quarterback and Aaron Allen and working in the different pieces and Howard and a new defensive coordinator, defensive staff, when you put all that in the bag and shake it up, is this kind of what you anticipated this to be during the first four weeks of the season? In a perfect world, you, you want to be 4-0. Um, but, you know, just just from a bird's eye view of it, should be 3-1 and one, uh, to be where we need to be more of a, a logistic chance to be three and one, um, you know, going into the bye week. Um, but unfortunately we had to drop against Stephen of Austin and uh two lane game. So um, just being real about it, you know, you know, it's always tough to play an F- FBS team. Uh, and Tulane was a real good football team. So we, we dropped that one and we dropped the Stephen of Austin game. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, everybody got frustrated and just kind of like we're wary, you know, but not me. Um, just cool, and, and then I thought that, you know, three and one. So uh, here we are, two and two, and um, chance to, 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 to be above 500 in another week or so. So I like the chances that we have. Uh, we're just going to take them one at a time, Charles, and, and make the best of them each and every week that we go out and play. And these men, young men that we have is, is a very – up to the challenge with the things that we try to get them to do as coaches. You said last week you don't get frustrated. I know the fans get frustrated. It can't be frustrating as a fan, but you don't get frustrated. What does frustrate Fred McNair? No, I just I just frustrations during the week when we when we try to get these young men to call each and every day, you know, with other with the other things that they have to take care of, with classes and their personal stuff that they that they do just to just to preparation for me. Um, game time, it's on them. You know, we don't, we, we as coaches don't gave them all the material that they need to, to go out and win ball games. And, and, uh, I'm just sitting back more relaxed in the course of a game, coaching a little bit. Um, but it's up to the old guy. Gave them all through the course of the week, but just to, just to have them come out and, in preparation of practice each and every day, you know, it's kind of frustrating to, to coaches and, get these young men to understand we're only out here two and a half hours a day uh, to get the job done. So why not? You already got your clothes on. <laughs> so let's get busy. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get to work. That's right. Um, so we all have a job to do. You know, yes, I, I have to come to work too, Charles. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, got a, I got a job to do, and, um, and I'm going to do it to my foot. It's time for a fresh start or a strong finish. It's time to have more choices and fewer obstacles holding you back. It's time to not only be accepted into college, but have the support you need to succeed. At Valencia College, your GED or high school diploma guarantees you get in. 
Plus, you get access to over 130 programs, free tutoring, free links bus rides, and a team of faculty and staff supporting you every step of the way. Valencia College, it's time. Apply by December 2nd at valenciacollege.edu. It's time to stand up and be counted. It's time to speak up and be heard. It's time to be smart with your money and get more than what you pay for. Much more. It's time to achieve whatever it is you're after and do so for about half the cost of other schools. And with financial aid and scholarships available, it may not cost you anything. So you can get a high-quality education and finish with little to no debt. Valencia College. It's time. Apply by December 2nd at valenciacollege.edu. I'm doing the right thing in terms of the young men that we have on this football program and this coaching staff. You know what one you know one thing that people ask me and I get asked is probably during the season every couple of weeks and we we look at games on TV we look at coaches demeanors and you allow your coordinators to coach and do their thing now you we see coaches that are very actively involved in every facet of the football game offense defense special teams huddle but you are different, and I, I keep trying to explain, or I try to explain to people that Fred McNair, he just lets his coordinators and position coaches and strength coaches and D-line coaches and O-line coaches and quarterback coaches, let them do their thing, and whatever you need to interject, you do, but that's not who you are as a coach. No, I believe, I, I'm a firm believer of not micromanaging uh, your staff. You know, once we have staff meeting, everybody go on their own separate, way, separate ways to do their job. And as a, as a head coach, my job is to evaluate each and every position um, as the young men is, is uh, coaching out there on the football field. And during the course of my job is to manage the game. You know, if I'm, if I'm trying to tell each and every position during the course of a game uh, what to do in, in those terms, that means I can't manage the game like I need to. Um, I talked about that to the team this morning, you know. I said, y'all really make it hard on coach to, to manage the ball game. You know, leave me with these fourth down and one situations. You know, um, yes, I'm very aggressive um, to the point that, yeah, yeah, I went for it on um, four. I'm very aggressive, and I, and I, and I, and I these guys understand that, you know, being able to trust them to, to get that one yard it means a lot. You know, you just got to build that rapport with the offensive line, uh, either the defense of, of making a third down stop or a fourth down stop. So, you know, the coach does their job, and he does them very well. In terms of that, you know, if I'm telling each and every coach how to coach their position, then how can I get rid of a coach if he's not doing his job? Because that's coming from me, you know, and that's that's what I that's the internal way the way I think in terms of you know, when you hire people to do a job, you know, let them do their job, you know. So uh, I'm a firm believer of that, and uh, that way, if I have to interject, I have a reason to because they're not doing their job. But if I'm telling them how to do their job, I can't send them to them, you know, because that's coming from me. If I have to, if I have to hire coaches, I have to tell each and every position how to coach their position. Then they're not, they're not coaches. You know, I trust the young, the young coaches that we have to do their job, and they do, does it very well, Charles. Uh, each and every day, I see, it. I see growth in all of them. Uh, the way they coach, the way they talk to the young men, that that we get try to work hard each and every day, um, and it's a tough job, you know, it's a tough job. Uh, so it's a battle for the coaching staff to, to get the young men to come out and work on it every day. And, you know, we meet with these guys individually, you know, and it's challenging. And uh, that's the thing I like about it, you know, Charles. It's, it's very challenging in, uh, in situations and stuff like that. But 
for those who don't know who I am. That's the way I am during my coaching. And, um, and that's what I like to do. I like to see these coaches really just coach and stuff. You know, like Coach Tom was coming back, you know, uh, just seeing the growth that he made since he's been gone. I see a lot of good things that, that, uh, that he's bringing back to the table as a defensive caller. Uh, doing a great job at it, you know. That's why if it's time for me to interject, yes, I will. Uh, some things I see on the sideline um, and the things we do as coaches, we don't let our frustration show uh, during the course of a game because if we did that, then the players will be down, you know. So it's just just doing what I do. I love it, Charles, and, uh, and I'm a firm believer of, of uh, letting each and every position coach their position. Do I know their position? Yes, I do. I know them all. And uh, can I coach the opposition? Yes, I could. Because each and every day, I'm around these coaches teaching those positions. So if I had to jump in and, and coach one of those positions, I could. Because I see what they're doing each and every day and how they're teaching the young men. I tell you what, you talk about aggressive. Fourth and one from your own 21, that's that's as aggressive as it is. You can't get no better than that, Charles. Either you're a good coach or you're a bad coach. That's why I take it that I was a bad coach from what you said they were saying in the park. Oh, man, right out here. Right? I mean, yeah. getting off the elevator. I mean, it was a pretty animated conversation. Fourth and one from our own 21, what? I mean, and, and I get it because when you have the running attack that we had, I mean, we had 396 yards rushing. I mean, I mean that, that was deep in our territory. There's no question about that. But you're also sending a message considering, you know, how well we have been running the football we did against McNeese. That was uh, that was a big roll of the dice right there. Yeah, this is always a roll of the dice, Charles. Anytime you, you're coaching and trying to manage a football game and, and you're coaching these young men and, and you're excited about the things that they're doing and um, – and, have them be able to do their job as well as the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, that's the exciting part about to me, you know. It's just a challenge that you have, you know. You have to have tough skin, you know. Um, you know, even as a player, you have to be able to, to get coached up hard, get coached hard in terms of that. So, and as a as a, as a, as a head coach, you know, you're going to hear things in the stands. I mean, you have to have deaf ear, you know, Charles. And that's one thing that, that I learned over the past years and, you can't really worry about what people say, you know. Um, that's why I don't have Twitter. That's why I don't have Facebook. I don't have any of that. Uh, and I tell the young men the same thing, you know. Uh, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I'm going to hear about it, you know. So it don't bother me. I, I, I got to get up and come to work each and every day, you know, and just build a good relationship with the with the administration that we have and, uh, and do my job. And, and that's, that's part of it, you know, um, in terms of, of managing the football game. Well, speaking of that, part of your job, unfortunately, is being a father figure and dealing with an unfortunate situation with Tyler Smith and his family. So as we get ready for the bye week, you know, what's going to be this week like in dealing with that and then just trying to stay as sharp as you can? Will football kind of take a backseat a little bit as you deal with, with Tyler Smith and his family? Will that, will that be the case or you just got to balance everything out there during the course of this week? You know, you have to put things in perspective, Charles, and that's one thing that, I, that I've been taught ever since I was growing up, you know, uh, how you handle the situation. And I think the situation is, this one is, is a very unique situation. It's very different. And like I was telling me, one of the coaches last night from uh, uh, Willie Simmons, he, we, he called me last night and several other coaches texted me and uh, condolence to, to the, the, the Brave family and Tyler Smith and, and the things that he's going through. You know, I got a lot of 
calls and texts today, you know, just just overwhelmed uh, 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 with calling and, and, and reaching out uh, for their condolences and things like that. But uh, always tough, Charles. And uh, you know, I had a had a similar to pass away too, and and people deal with it in different ways, you know. And I think that that what he'd done, you know, he came back to school and, and want to be around teammates, you know, and that's and that's special because these guys really, really, really know how Tyler Smith is and how he carries himself. He's a very quiet guy, and um, but he, he go on the football field and he work. And so um, be very interesting tomorrow to see him and, and uh, just see what his thought process is, whatever time he needs to, to take off and, and heal through the process. That's what we're going to do. Um, as a coaching staff, we're going to back him on everything that he needs to get done and take care of his personal stuff with his family and all that kind of stuff. So we're here for him. Um, I told the team this morning, you know, we got to embrace him and uh, make him understand that, you know, what he's going through, we're going to go through it together. You know, um, you know, say the best, together we rise. And, and that's going to be the only way, Charles. You know, we just got to just hold him tight and, 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 and uh, make sure that, that he's taken care of and, and the old moments that he, that he have uh, to himself. And, you know, he, he, he got to understand that's going to happen. You're going to have those moments. Um, we're not human if we're not, if we don't have them. You know, we're not human. Um, but this is something big, and uh, uh, we're going to be staffing as a team. And um, just talking to Mr. Dito this morning, uh, whatever the support that, you know, need to come from the university, we have things that we can do in, in terms of being in compliance that, that we can help him with in terms of traveling back and forth to, to his home and stuff like that. So um, you know, I think Mr. Dito, he's right on point with everything, you know, um, to me about things that that um, I need to wait on. I said, yes, Mr. Dito, we slip wait on that uh, until we put it out. But we put out a statement today, and, and it was well taken. Things that, that he's doing is is it's different. Um, you know, having somebody that that that, that here to talk with you all the time and uh, and just really care. You know, I think that he does, and um, you know, he has reason. You know, to 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 better this department. And uh, get things need to be done to take care of this this, this department here at Alcorn. So um, we're gonna weather the storm, and hopefully, you know, we get Tyler back and get a chance to talk to him tomorrow and and see how he's feeling. Uh, it's tough, Charles. Well, uh, to recap, we talked about it at the very start of the show. Um, there's still some details coming from the family that that have not come forward. So I'm sure we'll get that, and you'll you'll relay that. But as far as what fans and supporters and people can do to help the family, whether it's financial or otherwise, just hold up on that. Um, I mean, what you still—that's kind of still in a holding pattern. Yeah, I would because uh, Coach Thomas he he, um, he he spoke with me today and he talked with the the mom aunt and um, and the biggest thing was that they hadn't really put anything out and and just as soon as she come up with something, charged and she let us know well, this is what needs to be done and. Um, in terms of uh, the family, um, that way we can be in compliance with everybody. We want everybody to be in compliance because, you know, when stuff like this happens, everybody want to help. Yeah. You know, and they reach out and help. And um, but just as soon as we hear something, uh, we will put it out for everybody in the Alcorn uh, family uh, to understand how it need to get done in terms of being in compliance with the university and athletic department. Um, and that's one thing that help protect our brand as well. But we also, too, want to be very supportive of this young man and his family. So I think that what we're doing, we, we're taking it slow and just going to let him take his time to 
to recover from this and uh, and whatever we need to do uh, as a brave family, uh, the brave nation to 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 smooth this over with him. You know, it's tough, but um, I know just like I say, everybody want to help. We just got to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Coach, this I know this was a tough show. We won the game and all that, but to start this out, not the way we wanted this to happen, but uh, as I say, it's life. Things do happen, unfortunately, and we'll get through it. As you said, together we rise, and uh, next week we'll, we'll provide an update, and hopefully more information will come forward seven days from now as we're sitting here. And that's just the thing, too, Charles. Just as soon as we know something, uh, we will let Mr. Dito know and, and um, some posted of, of how things need to be done in terms of, of uh, the support that won't be that want to come in to help, um, you know, it's sad that, you know, that this happened, you know, but um, we have to understand that, you know, he makes no mistakes, Charles, and um, that's the biggest thing. So um, we- it's time to stand up and be counted. It's time to speak up and be heard. It's time to be smart with your money and get more than what you pay for much more. It's time to achieve whatever it is you're after and do so for about half the cost of other schools. And with financial aid and scholarships available, it may not cost you anything. So you can get a high-quality education and finish with little to no debt. Valencia College, it's time. Apply by December 2nd at valenciacollege.edu. It's time for a fresh start or a strong finish. It's time to have more choices and fewer obstacles holding you back. It's time to not only be accepted into college, but have the support you need to succeed. At Valencia College, your GED or high school diploma guarantees you get in. Plus, you get access to over 130 programs, free tutoring, free links bus rides, and a team of faculty and staff supporting you every step of the way. Valencia College, it's time. Apply by December 2nd at valenciacollege.edu. The issue to try to get him through this. Coach, we appreciate it. Thanks, John. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Tough show. Good show. Just a lot of, you know, a lot of personal stuff. And uh, our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with the, the Smith family and, and Tyler Smith. And uh, we'll have an update next week here on the Fred McNair Show. We'll talk about the bye week, and we'll look ahead to Mississippi Valley. That'll do it for the Fred McNair program. We appreciate all the calls, the texts, and tweets. We'll talk to you next Monday night. So long. what she calls political correctness or wokeness, it's taking over. Custom Inc. is an awesome way to recognize employees, thank customers, and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo. CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and a ton more. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Oh yeah, and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com.
Driving a truck or bus is a very demanding job. It can keep you on the road for long periods and at night, which can affect your sleep quality. Sleep loss or fatigue can cause symptoms similar to impaired driving. Get enough sleep before you drive. Be aware of signs of fatigue, such as frequent yawning, heavy eyes, or blurred vision. Don't keep on trucking when you're tired. Take a break. Don't drive drowsy. For information, visit flhsmv.gov. Brought to you by the Florida Highway Patrol, Office of Commercial Vehicle Enforcement. 